Welcome back to Yes X or No Audio. Hello, audacious audience. Welcome to episode four of Week in Review for week 20 of 2023. You may have noticed that there was a dearth of articles late in the week, and that was due to a very long uh, of long-haul flights from Stockholm to Sydney. So I've relocated back to my native land of Australia. Um, And I'm looking forward to including a bit more Australian news uh, in articles that are published. In any case, it's a pleasure to be back here. Uh, And now I have a new recording location. You may well hear people walking above and other strange noises. Oh, um, that's how it is. So um, the first article to include from... The Week in Review actually came out on Sunday, but after the last Week in Review, and that was a, an interesting article sequence. I think the uh, the piece by Craig Murray is quite interesting, as he's joined some Palestinian activists protesting an Israeli weapons manufacturing facility in Leicestershire. There are a few other things. The article by Chris Hedges is a really nice one, so another you know, leading, leading his class man uh, from prison. And doing So I think that that work that Chris Hedges has been doing in terms of providing tertiary education to uh, people who've been incarcerated is a lovely example of the wonderful things that can be done if one puts one's mind to it. Um, there's a few other bits and pieces. There's a nice article by John uh, Helmer, who's worth looking up now and then. He's a classic old-school journalist. His website's a classic 1980s <laughs> style. But he's a very good journalist. Uh, He digs up uh, the odd interesting piece of information. And that article about Wong's War, named after Penny Wong, Australia's current foreign minister, is about how Australia is having difficulty acknowledging the role that they are playing, even though it's quite minor, in contributing to the conflict in Ukraine. It was a good article by Larry Johnson on what happened with those planes that went down in... uh, I can't remember the name of the oblast, which is borders uh, Ukraine. Yeah, it was an entire strike group, which is interesting. So that indicates a capability that the Ukrainian Air Force had that the Russians were not aware of. So no doubt doubt they've learnt a lesson from that. So that was um, the first of the articles. And the next is another collected article um, piece with uh, Michael Bremer, Moon of Alabama, more Larry Johnson, a bit of Andre Martinov. Brian Bledick and, and John Helmer again. The key to that, of course, was Michael Bremer's article. As I know, he doesn't publish very often, but I found that that article really summarised quite succinctly a lot of the uh, things that I've been trying to say uh, for some months. And he's a very good writer, so it was a pleasure to read his work, and I encourage you to do so. Um, Patrick Lawrence was just you know, wobbling on about how stupid American presidential election, elections can be and how laughable it's been that the last two have essentially been uh, heavily influenced by the Democratic's um, parties, the DNC, Democratic National Committee, whatever it's called, basically running roughshod over, over interference. Uh, there was a, and a note at the end there on what's been going on in Ukraine. And we'll come back to that because, yeah, it's sort of a constant topic. So that was really uh, the two... Articles. There was a third, which I'll reserve to the end, which was a reuse of the US Intel leaks for a new purpose, which I thought was quite interesting. 
But let's move on to things that have been happening uh, over the week that I haven't written about. And of course, that gives me a bit of leeway because I haven't been publishing anything for a few days. So to return to Ukraine yet again, a couple of sort of mixed pieces. These are basically just headlines from news.antiwar. So we've got NATO to draw up Russia war plans for first time since Cold War and report US preparing for Ukraine war to become a frozen conflict. So they seem a little bit at odds with one another, if you like. So I suppose that's part of the course. The US seems to you know, be holding firm to its idea of we shall do this forever and we can Russia and so forth. But there are waverings occurring, which we'll get back to uh, with that reserved piece. The other one is the hoo-ha about the F-16s, which I'll get to in a minute. But the breaking news is from Moon of Alabama, which is that Russia has finally claimed all of Bakhmud slash Artemovsk. So that's a bit of a sad story in some senses in that Tens of thousands of Ukrainian young men died for naught, as it were. But back to the F-16s, there was some... I thought the best commentary on it was by Brian Belletic from the new Atlas. He approached the topic from two sides, and the first of which is to acknowledge that the F-16 is... There's nothing special about it. It's not better than the modern... Russian fighter jet, and the other perspective to look at them is that like any other plane, a pilot needs to train for years to obtain proficiency in it, and of course the Ukrainian pilots are trained in MiGs, so that's going to be a problem. I mean, what does that mean, that it's going to be Polish fighter pilots flying these trains, I mean, these um, planes? So it's just another confirmation of the fact that this is a war between NATO and Russia. Russia knows this. Everyone else knows this. The US is denying it. Whatever. The other position he looks at is that, as everyone knows, Russia has the best air defence systems in the world. So even having more planes is not going to help an awful lot because they're going to get shot down either in air-to-air combat or due to the air defence systems. So I wouldn't want to be a Ukrainian or even a Polish pilot flying these F-16s. Obviously, it'll it'll slow the Russians down a little in that they will therefore not be able to use so much of the glide bomb type uh, attacks that they've been doing because they're cheaper, easier to do and devastating, so we understand. In the end, this will just be another depletion of the NATO armories as they pour in their, you know, next tier down equipment into Ukraine for it to be destroyed. Arms manufacturers do very well, but it won't be so good for the uh, Ukrainians. What we really need here is a negotiated settlement. And unfortunately, that's going to have to come with a lot of cost for Ukraine. So moving further afield... We have another headline. Dozens of House Democrats tell Biden to support ending war in Yemen, which, of course, would be great for the Yemenis. And now that the Saudis and Iranians have come to some terms of understanding, this would be quite possible to do. And the Democrats seem to be hinting to Biden that, you know, this is what should be done. But, of course, the CIA especially, and and, much of the 
I suppose people call them the neocons, whatever, are very upset by this detente between these two regional powers because it sort of upsets all the apple carts and you know all of the previous plans for conquering Iran or doing whatever other stupid thing they were planning gets much more difficult. So the other headline was a, a, a funny one, uh, particularly from Australia's perspective. So there was meant to be, following the Biden's trip to Papua New Guinea, which I believe he also cancelled, he was then meant to travel on to Sydney, where the Quad, so that's the US, Australia, Japan and India, were meant to have their, their big powwow. And this, of course, got cancelled at the last minute due to, what was the excuse? Well, due to um, budget, blah, 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 in the US. But they'll, they'll do what they always do, which is raise the debt ceiling and la, la, la. So, of course, the big powwow in Sydney got cancelled and uh, Albo, that's what the Australians call their Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, had to travel off to Japan and meet up with Sleepy Joe in Hiroshima. And the interesting part of that, I think we can wait for Badrakuma to provide his analysis. He's a former Indian diplomat and provides very interesting commentary on diplomatic relations between nations and particularly those uh, in the near or abroad from India's perspective. So I'm sure he will have something to say on the relocation slash cancellation of that Quad meeting. Uh, so keep your eyes out for that. On the China front, we have a couple of articles, uh, one uh, by Dave Camp, who's the news editor at Anti-War. It was published at Post. And it's called Absolutely Intolerable, China's Military Response to U.S. Military Aid for Taiwan Troop Deployments. So this is an article where Dave is just pointing out the fairly obvious in that there's a degree of hypocrisy going on here, which I'm sure we're all aware of. The next one is by Juan Cole, who's published at Consortium News called China and the Axis of the Sanctioned. I haven't read this piece, but I like the look of the headline, and I imagine it's just going to examine... Um, how North Korea, Iran, Venezuela, Russia, etc. have been sanctioned to buggery. And also that they've had their um, national reserve currencies and, and assets stolen, which has, of course, exacerbated what is essentially a trade war that's happening with the only slight replacement of the US dollar as the default international trade currency. I think the US dollar is still accounts for something like 76% of international trade, so it's still a very solid position for the US to have. But it's going the wrong way, and it's getting worse. And moving to other locations, back to the Middle East now... We have uh, an interesting article from The Cradle called Exclusive, US and Syria Holding Secret Talks in Oman. And this was published by their news desk as opposed to a singular author. And it, it's back from the 16th of May, so it's almost a week ago now. But it's an indication of the annoyance and frustration that some elements within the Biden administration are having at this uh, detente between Saudi Arabia and Iran. And there's another article from Moon of Alabama, 
called The Arabs Are Reunited and Israel Is Out. So just sort of reinforcing this big change that's happening in the Middle East. And on one hand, it's obvious that uh, the Chinese economic clout is enabling them to capitalise on a, on the sort of, one could call it a destabilised situation. It's not. It's just that the US's influence is waning and China's is increasing and they're able to exploit this. Essentially, the US has made its own bed by being terribly unhelpful for a long time and I think the Arabs are a bit sick of it. Thank you very much. I've thrown in a few sundry video pieces. So one is an episode of Crosstalk called International Community. And included in that, one of the guests is Peter Ford, the former British ambassador to Syria. And I found him to be uh, very interesting to listen to. And he knows an awful lot about the Middle East and Syria in particular. And he speaks his mind. So I find him uh, informative. Just a little intercut here. You'll hear all of these scrapings and so forth. That's actually people on the floor above me where I was recording this. I'm terribly sorry. Things will be better next week. So don't worry. It's not (laughs) weird things happening around you. It was weird things happening above me whilst I was recording this. The other, another of the videos included is uh, from Regis Tremblay, who's interviewing Alneda Norbjörn entitled Sweden, NATO, USA, Censorship and Controlled Media. And it's nice to see some more uh, interviews being released by Regis. He went quiet for a little while there. And if you look at his back catalogue a little bit, a couple of weeks ago, he reissued a sort of a documentary-style piece. I think it's about 45 minutes long, which is an extended few interviews and, and so forth with what's his name, Uh, Russell Texas Bentley, uh, who went to fight for the peoples of the Donbass. He's an American. Uh, And it's a really interesting interview. I've seen it before, but he republished it. And if you haven't seen it, I I recommend it. It's a a long story in a sense. Um, I've been following uh, interviews between Regis and, and Russell for years now. Anyway, finally, on the other stuff news is the um, the Durham report. And so the Alexes from the Duran do their thing and, and have a chat about how it's a cover-up and so forth. I, that's one way to put it. The whole thing was a sham from the beginning, and we knew about that as soon as um, William Binney told us that, you know, you can't do that sort of data transfer volume in the time that it was claimed to have been done. He went and tested it, not possible. And then we found out that all the date time stamps in the stuff are at the even minute mark, and that indicates the file system type, and that means that it's uh, file allocation table 32, a Windows Exchange file system, and that means that the data was copied to a USB stick. So it was not a hack, it was a leak and the whole thing has been a bit up from the start. So that concludes the other news. Uh, so onwards to that other article. So it's astonishing that, first of all, these journalists would put their, well, stenographers, would put their names to this complete hogwash. I mean, it's just completely unbelievable that Prigozhin would 
offer to sell out the positions of Russian troops to the Ukrainians in exchange from, for them withdrawing from portions of Bakhmut. It just makes no sense whatsoever, and you know it's bullshit because he's still a free man. So it's interesting, why would these stenographers publish this stuff? Well, because they were told to. And they, they, they frame it on, there's a piece of the US intelligence leaks which supposedly tell them this. And it's, these, this is not being published. So it, it's like a replacement for the anonymous official, right? So instead of anonymous official says a load of rubbish, it's an unpublished part of the US intelligence leaks say this rubbish. But the counter of that is that the, this report, if gullible people believe it, then will call into question the, the validity of the intelligence leaks. If they think about the story at all and go, hang on, why the hell would he do something that dumb? And then, So it starts to place doubt on the reliability of the information in these uh, reports. And so what's happening, as I look at it, is there's a conflict. On one hand, we know that the, I believe that the important parts of the US intelligence leaks were controlled in their release. And the reason we, we believe this is because, first of all, we have no idea how it went from you know, the private Discord server to then being cross-posted to a wider environment. And it was Bellingcat, a, a um, inter- military intelligence cutout, CIA, MI6, whatever, NATO cut out that, that lit the fuse on the story and then it gets followed up by CIA insider group known as the Washington Post. So I'm sure that these were controlled leaks and that tells you that there's an element, there's a faction within the deep state. That's not a special or frightening term, it just means people who transition from one administration to the next and that's a lot of people high up in the Pentagon and the CIA and various other agencies. There's a group amongst them who are pissed off about the US foreign policy choice, about continuing to pursue the policy in Ukraine, and they're rebelling against it, and they use this control leak mechanism to let the people who are currently running the show, which is the triplet of trouble of, what's her name, Vixen Newland, and then the two idiots, Blinken and Sullivan. Although Sullivan gets a little bit of cred for actually going and having an extended chat with the Chinese. So that was good to see that diplomacy return because the Chinese will have nothing to do with Sullivan, of um, uh, Blinken lights, idiot that he is. So we're seeing the, the different factions playing the intel leaks for different purposes. So that was what interested me most about the story, apart from the fact it was just rubbish. But that's what's actually happening underneath. So that You've got factions manipulating the media in different ways using the same source material for different purposes. And I thought that was of interest. Anyway, so that is the Week in Review. Hope you're having a good time wherever you are. And uh, yeah, next week for episode five, week 21. Have a good one. Bye. Until next time. Mm -hmm.